Hey everyone, it's Alec, here to remind you to check the trigger warnings before today's episode. You can find that along with our transcript and all the other goodies in the description down below. Have a safe listen and see you on the other side. Mythale presents Circe's Episode 20, Hunger. Can, can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Great. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. No worries. I know it must have been quite the struggle to make this even possible. It was. Two weeks, even though Cairo is one of the managers, there was still so many steps to go through to get there. But worth it nonetheless. Do you have something new you want to accuse me of, Elias? <laughs> you humor me, Frank, but no, this time it's not about you. Oh, what a bummer. So, here's the thing. A few weeks ago, I went over a session with another patient who's also from the criminally insane ward. Wait, do you think he's your guy? That's where I'm unsure. That is why I'm reaching out to you. You mentioned that you kept up with the unit gossip? Yeah, I do. Who are you interested in? Jonathan Kimley. The serial killer? As far as I know. Jonathan Kimley has been a resident here for longer than I've been around. As far as I've heard, he's serving his 16th year in this place. He isn't allowed near any of us, though. Have you heard anything we should be worried about? As far as I'm concerned, he can't be the one. He hasn't left his room since he arrived here. He refuses to go outside when he is permitted to, and only eats the food if it's served to him inside his room. He never speaks to anyone, just stares at the wall most hours of the day. So I'll take that as he's unlikely to be the one we're looking for. I would say so. I only heard the murmurs of worry about his well-being at times when he refuses to touch his food. He's said to be but a shell of a human now. He's rail thin, and I doubt he would be able to overpower, let alone drag a victim away by now. He's in his forties, so not exactly as sharp. Well, okay. Uh, thank you, Frank. Will you keep an ear out for me, and just send a request to speak to me if you hear anything? You have my word. Today's session is with Dominic Raymer. The session was written down on the 18th of May, 2017. Case file 14639059057. Recorded on the 26th of February, 2023 by Elias Emanuel Short. 
therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. I'm writing this down because my therapist told me that it might make me feel better. I doubt that this will make a difference, but I've grown desperate and I'm willing to try anything to make it go away. My name is Dominic James Raymer. I'm 26 years old and I was born and grew up in Berlin, Germany. I know that it might seem a tad odd that I somehow ended up in a mental facility in Denmark of all places, but it was a place that had been recommended to me when I finally decided to check myself into a mental health clinic. It was in the hopes that it would help me with the nightmares. I am here of my own free will. So keep in mind that what I'm about to tell you has all been written down with my own consent. I choose this. When I moved away from my childhood home, I already knew that I wasn't ready to leave Berlin altogether. That's how I ended up in a shared apartment with a guy I hadn't even met before I'd turned up with my boxes, ready to start my new life. He seemed friendly enough, just a tad more reserved than what I was used to. He introduced himself as Oliver White and offered to help me carry my heavy boxes up to my new room on the second floor. I took him up on the offer, hoping this would bring us closer and thinking that we might even be able to find a bar and grab a beer afterwards. That hope was shattered when Oliver managed to disappear right after placing down the last box in my room. I didn't think too much of it, assuming he was just shy or not used to having someone else living right next door. I chose not to pester him any further and settle in for a night of unpacking. I didn't notice anything odd about Oliver the first few weeks we lived together. Most of that could have probably stemmed from me not being in my room for most of the time, if at all. I spent my days either studying or working, and the afternoons were often spent with my friends at a bar or at my newest fling's home. I didn't want to bring my latest conquest to my house solely to not upset my roommate. I have lived there for about a month when the exam season took me by surprise, rendering me unable to keep up with my usual lifestyle. I was now stuck at home with Oliver most nights, although I didn't see him much of the time. He liked to keep to himself but it didn't take me long to notice the large number of food deliveries that would be sent to our door on a daily basis. To this day, I have no idea what Oliver did for a living, but there was no way anyone would be able to afford two to three food deliveries a day. As the days passed, the number of times we received fast food rose. I had only seen Oliver up close when I moved in, and remember him as a slender man in his mid-twenties. The man that stepped out of his rooms two months after I had moved into the spare room was a chubby man who did not at all resemble the rail-thin Oliver I remembered. I shrugged it off since I had no business getting involved in his eating habits. If he was happy, who was I to judge? I started to count the number of times the doorbell would ring as I sat in my room, my nose stuck in a book. Five times became seven, which then became nine, and before I knew it, I had managed to count 15 deliveries within less than 24 hours. I didn't really care how much Oliver ate. That's his business and his business alone, 
but I was starting to get frustrated by the insane number of interruptions whenever the damn doorbell would ring throughout the entire apartment. After the 15th ring of the doorbell had rung, I had just about had it. My assignment was due tomorrow, and if he was oh so hungry, he could use a well-functioning kitchen. I slammed my door wide open, marching straight towards his door. To my surprise, the door had been left agape, and even now, I really wish it hadn't. In the light of the TV screen, as clear as day, sat an engorged Oliver. His skin was greasy with what looked like oil, the buttons on his clothes threatening to pop at any moment. I could see his veins under his yellowing skin pulse a deep purple color throughout his body. What made me almost run off to vomit was the way his jaw almost unhinged as he shoveled large portions of food into his mouth, hardly chewing before he swallowed it. The scene was too much for me to process, so I didn't say anything and just went straight to bed. I didn't see him the following day, but the smell of deep-fried something wafted through the house. Every day when I arrived home from my exam, I would find piles upon piles of discarded fast food boxes and packaging. The house was steadily becoming a greasy mess. I left notes for Oliver, asking him to please clean up his mess, but to no avail. The aroma was impossible to get out of my closed room. By that point, the apartment looked like an actual dump. I couldn't take it anymore. I packed up a suitcase and moved onto my friend's couch. He said I could stay as long as I needed. But looking at his girlfriend, I knew that they didn't share that agreement. I didn't want to bother them for longer than absolutely necessary. I could also see the way their noses would wrinkle when they caught a whiff of the grease smell that still emanated from my clothes, no matter how many times I washed them. After having to replace my entire wardrobe due to Oliver's excessive eating habits, I finally lost it. I was a very tolerant person but he had pushed me beyond my comfort zone and I wasn't going to let him step all over me. I promised my friend that I would be back later for my things, trying to ignore that slight smile that crept over his girlfriend's lips when I told him that I would hopefully be moving back today. He didn't put up a fuss and wished me good luck with my confrontation. It didn't take me long to get back to my apartment. My friend's house was close by, so after a 20-minute walk, I stood before my apartment door. I didn't bother knocking and just put my key into the lock and swung the door open. The entrance was dark when I walked in. Normally, we had the little light bulb at the entrance turned on in case one of us had the late afternoon errand, but I hadn't been home for a while, so maybe that was more of a me habit than an us habit. I entered the living room which was also completely dark. One thing that hit me like a ton of bricks the second I made my way further in was a foul stench of rot, oil, and greasy food. The apartment reeked of a biohazard, and I had to clamp my shirt over my nose so that I wouldn't hurl my guts onto the floor. The only light that penetrated the darkness was a faint, white, flickering light from the open fridge. 
The refrigerator door was covered in a thin layer of food residue that had started to rot. This couldn't be healthy to live in. It was a miracle he had managed to get the apartment into such a state when I'd only been gone for, what, a few weeks tops? This looked like years worth of decay. I fumbled blindly through the corridors, trying not to make contact with anything, fearing the squishy, wet feeling of mold. My fingers brushed against one of the walls only for a second, but when I pulled them back, an almost wax-like substance remained on one of them. The bile that rose in my throat didn't make me feel more at ease either. And then I spotted it. Oliva's door was left just slightly open. I was about to sneak closer when a loud thump made me stagger backwards instead. I rushed to hide just as a giant blob of a man forced his engorged body out of the room. There was no way it could be humanly possible to look as he did. Oliver must have easily been over 400 kilos, despite his short body. I would have chalked it up to an insane increase in weight if it hadn't been for the fact that there was no weight gain on his frail arms, which made him look like a bowling ball. His legs had turned thick and round like two tree trunks, with no sign of knees. In the faint light, I could just about see the grease that spilled down his yellowing skin. He moved slowly, his legs making a stump with every move along the wooden floor that was complaining loudly under the new weight. To my surprise, he headed for the wide open fridge, staring at the empty shelves before him. A grunt was all he could muster before bending over, filling his tiny arms with whatever food had been hidden at the bottom shelf of the fridge and dumping them on the kitchen counter. Despite the frightening situation, I was still curious to watch Oliver cook. He had never done so when I lived here, so I was intrigued to see him start now. He picked up full packs of condiments I had saved for my tortillas and pulled open the plastic lids one by one. They were then arranged in a line before he picked up one, and I kid you not, started to drink it. He inhaled it like it had been soda. A smack of his lips was an indication that he had finished. The bottle was hurled aside before he began on the next one, slurping down the entire bottle till it was empty and thrown to the side as well. This action was repeated with all my condiments till there were none left. That's when he started devouring the vegetables. That must have been left over from before I moved, his teeth grinding them into nothingness with just a few bites. It felt like the very air was getting thicker as he chewed rapidly. As I inhaled, I could almost taste it on my tongue, spreading like a disease. He was not a human anymore. Oliver had become a rabid animal, swallowing whatever food came within his field of vision. I watched him eat whole loaves of bread, uncooked rice, raw eggs and the like. He ate more than should be possible to contain inside your body. His breathing got wheezy and desperate. His body could barely hold his weight up as his hands grabbed onto something that made an eerie, squirting noise. 
A washed-out streak of red blood started to pour down his arms. His hands grasped tightly onto the raw minced meat. I could have sworn that his jaw unhinged, hands desperately shoving handfuls of bloody flesh into his mouth. His lips smacked, echoing his untasteful delight. I wish I could have screamed for him to stop, but something told me I would have been his next snack had I not kept my mouth shut. The squelching of his now even larger body made me wonder if there was a way I could make a run for it. To my displeasure, though, it seems I was frozen in place. I had to listen to the skin on his stomach expand, which was in no way natural. I find it hard to describe the sound that skin makes when it's being stretched beyond its limit. Normally it happens gradually and not to this extent, but I watched it happen right before my eyes. At this point, the thinning skin started to show the outlines of his organs. He moved slowly towards a closed cupboard, then pulled it open, a cascade of chirping noises taking me by surprise. He had filled the cupboard with live birds, most likely an assortment of captured pigeons. There must have been someone bringing them to him. There's no way he could have caught those by himself. He took one bird out of the cage, staring into its beady eyes before biting its head off in a shift motion. The bones snapping and crunching beneath his teeth. That's when I threw up the first time. <laughs> the sounds I was making were only covered by the sounds of snapping bones and cartilage being grounded to dust. He just wouldn't stop until there was nothing but one pigeon left inside the cupboard. That's when the ripping started. His skin bulged to a degree that no longer held the ability to contain him. He laughed sickly, and it was the most vile laughter I'd heard in my life, before going out in a pop. His body exploded into a cascade of gore and crudely chewed food. And that's when I threw up again. The stench made me pass out, then and there. When I woke up, I packed my belongings and left Berlin without looking back. I came here, checked myself in, and decided I would stay until the event seemed like some distant nightmare. So here you go. That was the most traumatic event of my life. I hope it was useful. What a delightful session just before lunch. Seems like I won't be enjoying whatever's on the menu today. Right. Dominic Raymer decided to stay with us for three years and left back in 2020. I've met Dominic myself, and he seemed to be a rather smart individual. It was quite unfortunate that he suffered what seems to have been a mental breakdown. I read the police records regarding Dominic's roommate, which seems to indicate that the man had been murdered in his apartment in Berlin. There is no English covering of the case, but fortunately for me, my German heritage comes in handy. Oliver was found in multiple pieces. There is a suspicion that he was murdered with explosives, since there is no other way his body could have ended up in such a state. 
No suspect has been found and no arrests have been made connected to the crime. The house was found in a state of disarray, as Dominic has recalled, and I couldn't help but notice the mention of an unknown substance found between the chunks of Oliver White. Cecise's license under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bauna as Elias Short, Joe Kilcar as Frank Magazine. It was audio edited by Henry Johannesson and El Sadi. Manuscript edited by Rita Bauna and El Sadi. And written by Alexander F. Bauna. Like what we do? Tell your friends and loved ones about our show, or support us on our Ko-fi by buying some art or donating whatever you feel comfortable with. Want to get to know us? Follow us on social media or join our public Discord server. All the links can be found down below. Thank you for listening. <laughs>